This episode is brought to you by the Authentic Woman series, Identity Revived. The Authentic Woman is a platform that empowers women to radically love their body, pursue their wildest dreams, and change the world around them. If you're feeling insecure about who you are, alone on your journey, and not sure where to go, then Identity Revived is going to change your motherfucking world. I had the absolute joy of sharing a piece of my story in this collection, and I can't wait for you to get your hands on a copy of it. It makes the perfect coffee table book and is such a beautiful way to support real, raw, untouched stories and photos by women for women. Snag your copy for 10% off using the code 10LOY, that's one zero L-O-Y, and all the information on how to snag yours is in the show notes. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode 33 of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. Ah, how are you guys doing? I hope you're having an amazing week. It is finally, finally starting to have like bits of cooler weather pop in here in Chicago and it is making my fall obsessed heart very, very happy. Although it is, (laughs) it is quite, quite warm coming into the end of this week, but that's okay. I am just keeping the AC going for those days and bundling up in my sweaters. I don't know about you guys, but I am ready for fall and I am so excited to share today's episode with you. And speaking of fall, and before I get there, um, I know that you guys, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, or maybe on my stories um, on Instagram, you know that I am gearing up and getting really close. You guys, oh, we're like just a few weeks away for my Empowered and Recharged Retreat, which is happening on the shores of Lake Michigan, uh, the weekend of October 5th through 7th. And it's going to be an incredible soul charged, energizing weekend of wellness and sisterhood and love. We are three quarters of the way sold out. Um, but we are opening up for a really special, 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 special occasion and a really fun flash sale, um, for this weekend that you are listening to this. Um, so if you are interested and want to learn more, um, please shoot me a message either on Instagram under my personal account, Amanda Catherine Loy, or you can tag live your fuck yes life. Um, or, um, or shoot me an email, Um, attached to my website, which you can all find all that in the show notes. And I will get you the info sent your way. We are reserving a small select amount of flash sale because we only have a certain amount of tickets left. So if you are interested and want to learn how you can get um, this incredible opportunity to spend some recharge time um, at a discount of the price, let me know. Um, We want to see your faces there. And I am so, so, so excited to meet all of those of you who have already signed up and are, um, are gearing up to just really, really spend an intentional weekend with yourself and a community of women who are like-minded and soon to become your new soul sisters. So more information for that. Again, go to the show notes, reach out to me, and we will chat more. Um, And uh, without further ado, I'm going to get into today's incredible, incredible, incredible convo. You guys, this one was 
like a breath of fresh air and like a giant cup warm of cup 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 of coffee like coming into your pores first thing so whether you are listening to this in your car on your way to work um or um you know while you're showering or maybe you're working out whatever it is I hope that this gives you a sense of peace and just this like really bright light for your day. Um, And if you do not know who Megan Hale is, get ready um, to fall in love with this incredible woman. I have been following Megan and her journey um, for a few years now, and she has had a really, really interesting one. And we dive into that in today's episode. Um, But more so than anything, what I have always loved about her is that she comes as she is. And she's not willing, she's so willing to get messy and to be very open and honest about the fact that she doesn't have it all together and that that's okay. And I know that when I was navigating, struggling with my deeply rooted perfectionism, um, hearing her talk and listening to her podcast was a big part of my personal journey and and navigating moving away from that. And so I'm just so honored to get to share this conversation with you guys. For those of you who do not know, Megan Hale is a former psychotherapist, and she is now a leadership and relationship coach and the founder of Wild and Holy, a vibrant community of therapists, coaches, helpers, and healers committed to having their own breakthroughs so they can show up braver and help others have their own. She is the podcast host of The Enoughness Revolution, a conversation on worthiness, and Wild and Holy Radio, a conversation on bravery. Through group programs, retreats, and one-on-one coaching, she guides others to live their truth and show up braver so they can love the way they lead and lead a life they love. And you are going to hear us talk about so many different things today. And we really touched on some subjects that I didn't expect to dive into with her. And I am really excited to start talking about more of these kind of conversations on the podcast, Um, conversations that really push the envelope and that break us outside of the mold of what we're comfortable talking about, what I'm comfortable talking about. Um, And we, we really start to dive into that a bit today. And I'm excited to take you along this journey and to continue to do so in future episodes. Um, and without further ado, here's Megan. Hey, Megan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. You guys, I am so excited for you guys to get to know Megan. And honestly, I feel like while I have been listening to your previous podcast, the Enoughness Radio for so long, I feel like I know bits and pieces of your actual story, but not the whole kit and caboodle. Um, and so I, I, I want to dive into some specific questions, um, specifically about what you're doing now. And it's been kind of a huge transition from what you were doing before. Um, but before I get there, I would just love for you to share with everyone what has brought you to where you are now and how you've kind of evolved into this wild and holy space. Um, yeah. But more so, like, what's your story? Like, what makes you tick? How did you get to be the Megan Hill that is sitting in front of me or that you are listening to <laughs> right now? So there's probably two different ways that I could take this. One's the professional route, which isn't nearly as exciting and fun, mm-hmm. um, which you can read all about on my website. But I think the more personal story is really about really struggling to feel like I belonged anywhere growing up and having this part of me that felt very broken for a long time and trying to find a way to, to mend that, to heal it. And it wasn't until I was probably in my 20s that I realized that I'm what I call a seeker, 
Mm. And seekers, we kind of have a knack for pursuing this unbecoming so we can become again. We kind of take ourselves apart and put ourselves all back together again. And we kind of take the wisdom from our pain and we turn it into purpose. Mm. And that's really been what my journey has been about of really understanding why I didn't think that I belonged, which had a lot of roots and spirituality and religion growing up, trying to fit myself in boxes, giving myself permission to throw the boxes the hell away Mm -hmm. and to really step into myself and to take up that space that only I can take up in the world. And from that process has come a lot of spiritual learnings and spiritual becomings and personal growth and development and a whole lot of confidence building and claiming my enoughness along Mm -hmm. the way. So um, here I am. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Went to graduate school to study therapy because that was part of my healing journey. Really wanted to understand myself and why I was the way I was and how to put myself back together again and pursued therapy for a while and just felt that calling for more, which so many of us do. And I found coaching and I started my coaching practice about three years ago now. And here I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so, I I love what you said about the process of unbecoming. I, I feel like I saw a quote or an image about that a couple months ago. And I remember it hit me like this ton of bricks, you know, because we work so hard to build up these these things or these accolades or these labels onto ourselves because we want to feel like we belong somewhere, right? Um, but we never think about what it looks like to not become something, right? And to, mm-hmm. to fall apart and how that is always looked, or at least I personally always looked at it as this negative thing, right? It's like falling apart, right? It's <laughs> it's shown on films and all this stuff. It's like you're having these quarter life crisis breakdowns or midlife crisis breakdowns or whatever the hell, yeah. and you're just a mess. And it seemed as this negative thing, you know? And I know so many of you guys that are listening and, and I'm sure you have had many of these moments. I know personally I have navigated many and I'm going through many at the moment, right? Where it's Absolutely. like, I'm, I'm navigating these, these crises on the monthly right now, it feels like. Um, yeah. And for the longest time I felt like that was a negative thing, but you saying that it just like totally flipped this like, Oh, light bulb moment in my brain where I was like, no, that that is how we grow, right? If we aren't if we aren't sifting through the struggles, we can't see the other side or we can't learn what we need as individuals. Um, and so I think the quarter life crisis mess is kind of a really not a mess at all. It's kind of this this mm. beautiful rainbow, right? Where we are allowed to discover who we truly are. So I just love, I thank you for that because I just had such a beautiful, oh, like chills down my spine thinking about that. <laughs> but I love, I love, love, love that so much. No, I'm glad for that. And, you know, the quarter life crisis, man, that is, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> and I think that it has different chapters to it too. Because like right when you're in like the thick of it, you're like, okay, I'm going to come out on the other end. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to have answers. I'm going to have clarity. I'm going to know exactly what I'm here to do and how to do it and all the stuff that you're hoping that you'll get out of it. Mm-hmm. And then you get that. And then there's like another chapter and you're like, oh my God, there's more. <laughs> like, What is happening? Yeah. But I think that's the journey of being awake and really pursuing your fullest expression in the world. There's always going to be more to unbecome so you can become more fully yourself. Yeah. So I- I love that. So I know you feel like you've started to come out of that, you know, what you've been saying. So I'm curious, like, what was that? 
big unbecoming like rock bottom moment for you where you were like, I don't know where I'm going. And I feel like the person I thought I was isn't the person I want to be or the one I am. And how did that feel? And and how did you navigate that for your own life? So this all happened. So my first quarter life crisis, and I'm not exactly sure how many I've had at this point. (laughs) A lot happens like in your twenties, it does. But when I was 23, I lost a really good friend of mine. Suddenly, tragically, it was the first really big loss that I had had. And leading up to this point, there were always that there's this part of me that always felt kind of lost. And like the idea of like God or spirituality never really like fit who I was. Mm -hmm. And so me and what I call God, um, we just kind of didn't, we didn't really hit it off. (laughs) as you could say. And so when Ashley died, um, that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back of I'm no longer going to try and fit into this idea or this concept of what I've been taught to believe. Mm. And that was a catalyst to kind of pursuing my own understanding of spirituality and giving myself the permission to define God in my own terms was a huge unbecoming for me. Mm. And it was a six year long process of not knowing which way was up of denouncing my faith to my family, like a lot of big things. And that was groundbreaking for me at the time of really taking up my own space in the world. And that has been such a huge catalyst for every other unbecoming since then. Mm. So I know that spirituality and God or whatever you choose to believe in source, um, has become again, a big part of your life. And I was going to talk to you about this later, but it's a perfect time. So, how, how has that been like to, to grow up very, so I'm, I'm not really a super spiritual human in general. Like I've never really understood the, I never grew up in the church. Like that was just not a part of my upbringing. And I feel like I navigate spirituality in a very different sense, like in the more yogic sense of the word, um, Mm -hmm. which is still super vital and, and valid, but it's, you know, everyone has such a different experience with this. And so I'm curious, like having grown up in that space and then completely denouncing it and seemingly finding it again in a very new way. Like what has that been for you? And, and how did you go from saying no, like, fuck this <laughs> to, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm, and I'm bringing this back into my space in a way that's for me. Oh, um, it was very scary. I think rejecting something that you've been taught to believe is probably the bravest work that you will ever do, whatever that is for you. I think that comes in all different types of flavors. Um, I think coming back around to that was a huge vulnerability because I had been so closed off for so long. And I wouldn't even really say that like the coming back together again looks so vastly different than it ever did before. Um, But I think that the political climate had a lot to do with me starting to get very curious around what the whole story was, Mm. Um, because being raised Christian and then seeing a lot of things in the 2016 campaign, pushing some Christian agenda that was very racist and misogynist and all of these things was like, is this really like what Christianity is about? And that really spurred just my own exploration of like, who was Jesus as a spiritual teacher? Like, what is Christianity? What do they believe? And then I started looking for a church that might 
be a place where I could learn more. Yeah. And that's kind of how I came back around to it. But even when I was doing all this, I was super skeptical of like, mm, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, yeah. And it's just that's vulnerable work going back to a place where you have been hurt and opening up again. Mm. That that's been very uncomfortable, but also really healing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine having had such, it's, I mean, it's like it's giant roller coaster in a way that you've been on specifically in this way, but I'm sure this impacted not just, you know, your relationship with spirituality, but also your relationship with family, with, with, just relationships in your life in general and your relationship with yourself. So I'm curious, like, what do you feel like outside of just your relationship with the church? What do you feel like was the biggest shift for you? Was it your relationships that changed and navigating that? That was tough. Was it your relationship with yourself? Um, you know, I know enoughness is something you talk about a lot. Like, was that rooted in that? Like where? Oh my goodness. Yes. Like, okay. So, a lot of a lot of enoughness work for me has been grounded in doing a lot of inner child work. And when I'm doing this work or facilitating it for others, like what we're really talking about is getting in touch with that little girl or little boy inside of us mm-hmm. that holds some of our earliest memories of what it means to be enough. And for most of us, that means what it means to be successful, what it means to be happy, what it means to be good. And there's a lot of programming there that we continue to carry on through our life. And if we never re-examine what we've been taught to believe in a sense we're letting that little part of us really run the show and drive Mm -hmm. our life and Mm -hmm. for me that was showing up and trying to prove how good I was by being a high achiever or over functioning in my relationship I mean all kinds of ways like didn't know how to relax there's always go 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 there's always more 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 Mm -hmm. I was always hustling and hustling and hustling if I could get somewhere fast enough, then it would be enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And first of all, that's not how it works (laughs) for anyone who's listening, who's on a similar path of like really hustling to get to this place as quickly as possible. So they can be enough. Enoughness doesn't live somewhere else. It lives right here, right now. And the only way we can reclaim that is by doing like the re the rewriting of our stories of our scripts that we're living by. So for me, I mean, this has really been transforming our relationship with myself and writing my own rules. But that has asked me to go back and kind of remother or reparent like little Megan Mm -hmm. and let her know that she's always been enough. She always will be enough. There will never be anything she can do that would make her not enough in any way. And what that has done for me from a personal perspective has completely changed the way that I show up in my life and my relationships and my work. Like so much more grounded and sure of myself and what I'm bringing to the table. And I'm not afraid to ask for what I need. And I think for, for even what I want Mm -hmm. and to be able to take up space in that way is really, it makes you feel like you've arrived for your soul. Like Mm -hmm. you are your best advocate. You are your best friend. And that is just, there's so much wholeness there. Yeah. So how would someone who has no idea how to even start Right. Like I, I know I, I'm well-versed in the inner kid work and I've done that before, but I know a couple of years ago, I would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about inner kids? Mm-hmm. So like, how do you even start there? What does that look like? What are some questions that you could answer or, or journal through or whatever that would allow you to sort of start to uncover that? 
So there's a couple of things. So one of the tools that I use is non-dominant journaling, which is the practice of like writing to your younger self with your dominant hand and then switching the pen to your non-dominant hand and letting her or him answer. And it's a very weird experience at first. And that's how you know that you're doing it right. Because at first you're like, I just feel like I'm talking to myself, right? Yeah, totally. But then something really interesting happens that the longer you engage in this practice, this little part of you starts to have a very clearly defined voice. And there's other parts of you too, which we can get to if you, if you want, but for the sake of this conversation, the little you, she tends to have so much wisdom around what you were taught of like who you were supposed to be mm. and the things that she needs to know or be reassured of. So she can truly be like her fullest self. And what I normally encourage people to do is to find a picture of yourself when you're around like five, six years old and reconnect with that part of you and start journaling with her. Where I usually like to start is just simply saying, hi, mm. it's been a while. How are you? And just let her kind of answer back. And at first she might be a little hesitant. There might be a lot of trust that's been broken over the years because for most of us, what we do is we kind of like leave her behind. We go on to pursue the idea of who we're supposed to become. And we just kind of leave her ideas back in the past. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's some reconnection work that needs to happen of building some trust back. Um, But one of the things that I love to do is ask her if she has a nickname she wants to be called um, and asking her questions of like, you know, what are you most scared of? What do you need most? What would you like to do today? Like getting back in touch with her needs. Mm. And there's so much integration that happens through that. It's so, it's, it's so cool. Yeah. I think even like, even at, at the most surface level, something that I started doing beyond the journaling work was just remembering what I used to love to do as a five, six-year-old kid and starting to actually do that today. Like I used to love to climb trees Mm -hmm. and bring like my journal up there and write stories. Like I have this old journal that I found when I was home a couple of summers ago and it was filled with these like really weird, but awesomely kooky stories and, um, and like poems and little things of like that I thought were really awesome to write about. And I would just spend hours up in this tree that I loved when I was a kid, you know, and it's like, it sounds so simple, but, you know, or like running through the sprinkler with my bare feet, you know, it's like little things that you can do today that can connect you. Cause I know I'm such a kinesthetic experiential Mm -hmm. learner. Like that's how I learn things. That's how I like love to uh, appreciate and, and encounter things in the world. And so I think that also in tandem with, with writing could, could be such a powerful way to just like dive in. Even something simple, like having a cookie that you used to love eating when you were a kid. That's one of my favorite things, actually. Like when I'm um, at the grocery store, which I hardly ever do anymore because grocery delivery will change your it's, life. People get so on that. Right. It is. I literally <laughs> just had my groceries delivered this morning. <laughs> awesome and it is life you'll never go back (laughs) if I do go to the grocery store when I'm in line like I'll check in with her and I'll Mm. say like do you want anything because that's one of the things I used to do as a little girl like you know oh I want a candy bar when we go through the checkout line Mm -hmm. it's just like simple things like that checking in with her but I think that what happens from this practice is that you start to curate a very reassuring kind loving voice 
which if you're here to do anything big in the world or to be brave, you're going to need that reassuring, kind, compassionate mm-hmm. voice. Like it's nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And this is a practice that really helps you tap into that, like on a whole new level. Yeah. I mean, I also see that as kind of your inner wisdom, right? It's just your, yes. it's that voice that is actually not out to get you. That is not telling you that you're not good enough, smart enough, all the stuff. It's the, it's the one that's there, you know, it's so, so interesting. I was, I think it was probably just a stupid, you know, YouTube video that was popping up on my Facebook over the weekend, but I, it was about these kids who were, Oh, oh my gosh, I wish I had the link that I could share with you guys, but it was about these kids that were like asked to go and go up to adults who are sitting alone in a coffee shop and try to be their friend. And it was mm-hmm. these five-year-olds who were just going up to these, these adults who were like sitting by themselves and they were like, hi, just wanted to sit, wondering if I could sit down and have a coffee with you. And they're like, you drink coffee. And it just, it, and they started asking questions and they were like, it's so easy to be friends, right? Like it's so easy to be friends. You just go up and you say hello and you say, I want to be your friend. And yep. that's what a five-year-old does. Mm-hmm. But we've been programmed to have these all all these crazy beliefs. Well, they don't want to talk to me because they're too busy or they're going to think I'm weird if I go up and say hello or, you know, like I'm, I'm not in their age range. We, what are we going to have in common? All this stuff, right. That we, we believe. And it's just, yeah, if we could only connect to that, that, that really sweet, innocent and just like carefree version of ourselves. Yeah. The world would be such a better place. (laughs) Such a better place. I mean, it is so true. There's like, there's a purity about that. And I think it's, there's like this naive quality. It's like before the world told you all the things to fear, all the things you couldn't be, there's this part of you who totally believed that anything was possible. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do anything that asks you to stretch, you're going to have to start believing in possibilities or miracles or magic or whatever you want to call that. Yeah. And there's no part of you that believes in that more than five-year-old you. Oh yeah. I mean, I will, I would, I won't lie and say that like, I still believe that my Hogwarts letter is coming and I still, (laughs) still, still believe in Santa Claus. If you are, I'm sorry, if you're a mom and you have this in car on the car and your kids, please put your earmuffs on. But you know, like I still believe in those things and the magic of that. Um, even though I know they're not real, you know, like there's this, but there's this, this, this inner knowing that's like, well, no, but it is, (laughs) you know? Um, but yeah, so I, I'm curious as to like how, doing this work for you, for yourself has led you to creating wild and holy and what wild and holy means to you. Because I know I read that. And to me, I go, these seem very opposite, you know, like on one (laughs) hand, like (laughs) the word wild, you know, brings up a whole slew of image images in my brain and holy brings up a whole slew of images in my brain. And, and both of them are not always positive in my perspective either. So I'm curious as to like, I'm, I know you did this intentionally because you're smart (laughs) and because, you know, it's, it's super fascinating, the word choice. So I'm just curious, like what led you to that and how do you feel like you show up in that way for yourself every day? Love that question. So kind of going back to my spiritual unbecoming, um, that journey really taught me that the most sacred work that we can ever do is becoming like wildly who we are and just living our truth out loud. I mean, that's what that really is. And that means letting go of who you were taught to be and all of these things, right? So I have never felt closer to my understanding of God 
mm-hmm. than I have right now, letting go of all the rules and being me. And I think that through this work, there's like a wholeness, right? That comes along this path. And what's interesting, if you look at the definition of holy, it means to become whole. It means one with. So in a sense, in order for us to become whole, we have to be wild. And I have definitely lived my life as wild. (laughs) There's definitely been rebellious stages that went totally against the grain. Like I have this history of being this, you tell me to do one thing, I'm going to go all the way over here and do the other because you're not going to put me in a down box, right? Mm -hmm. There's this rebellious spirit of me. Mm -hmm. And for so long, I felt like people were trying to stamp that out. Like society tries to stamp that out and tries to get you to conform. And it's really only by saying, fuck that, I'm going to do me, that we we become whole to who we're here to be. So it's very intentional that wild and holy are put together in that way, because I think we have to start embracing this both and type of living. It's not about being this or that it's about being at all because every single one of us is a walking dichotomy, every single one of us. So the more you give yourself permission to just be everything, Hmm. there's so much more freedom in that and expression and, and how you think of yourself and the space that you allow yourself to take up. I mean, everything. So wild Wild is important. Holy is important. But I think the most important piece of my brand is the ampersand. It's the thing in the middle that you Mm -hmm. can be both and. I love that. Okay. So I'm curious because something you said kind of hit and struck a chord for me. Like, how do you feel like you've personally broken free from the conformity aspect of things? Like, to the external eye, at least for me, because I'm I'm kind of still like really working on trying to be open about the 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 church aspect of spirituality. Like it's something I struggle with all the time, just because I have a lot of deeply rooted negative beliefs about that. Um, sure. And so I'm curious, like, how do you feel like you personally have broken free from like the quote unquote conformity aspects in life? You know, the ways that that we as society have been molded into, you know, like hitting all the, those life marks, right. Those benchmarks in life that, that are quote unquote traditional. So I think leaving the church was a big one Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Anybody who's grown up in a religious upbringing knows (laughs) that that's probably some scary stuff to do because there's all kinds of messages around what's going to happen to you. If you do that, that you're going to go to hell or some bad thing is going to happen. Um, so facing that was a big piece. Um, I think motherhood has been a whole nother journey of that. Um, I'm being, I'm a young mom to two. There are 19 months apart and giving myself the permission to do motherhood on my own terms and what that looks like for me and living by my values. Mm. And so for me, that means writing a book right now, even when my kids are really young, it means running a business, even mm. when they're really young, when there's so many messages around that that's not what you should do. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think motherhood is a big one. Religion is another one. And I think just giving myself permission to run my business, how I want to, mm-hmm. and kind of divorcing myself from a lot of the ideas of what success looks like and defining that on my own terms. And that's been a huge growth point for me the past few years, for sure. Um, that was actually what spawned a lot of the enoughness work because I just felt like I was chasing after other people's ideas of what success meant. And I had to take a big old step back because I realized like there was always going to be more to do and more to achieve and more money to make and more clients to get. And if that was going to be my definition, then enoughness was never going to be anything 
that I was able to take claim in, you know? Uh, yeah, 110%. I, I feel like I resonate with that so much. I have lived on the type A overachiever, like have this external shiny penny version of success in my head. And, you know, you, you hit that thing and then it's like, oh, that's not enough. I'm still not enough. I, I, I where's the next big thing? And you're constantly on this giant elevator and you can never really get off of it unless you intentionally push the button. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I love that. I, I think so many people listening could probably relate to that because it's just, it's really tough to, to divorce ourselves from that, that, that perception that, that we need to hit these specific mile markers. We need to get that promotion. We need to, you know, be, be married by a certain age or, you know, raise a family. It's like all these things that we're expected societally to achieve. And how do we create that for ourselves and, and find success outside of those markers? So I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you view success for yourself now? Like, what does that look like for you? I mean, for me, it's really about showing up braver and like Mm -hmm. right now, like that's my main metric of success is how scared am I right now by the things that I'm pursuing? And this might not always be like the things that you would expect. Like for me, the past two years have been, oh, wow. Um, and this, I'm very much still in process of this. And I probably will be for many, many years to come. But really unwrapping like my privilege, understanding mm-hmm. what that means, um, the systemic oppression that I've been a part of. And how I can do better with that. Yes. And how so many of our institutions and the things that I was raised are all like embedded together. It's like just this thick web that just, it's not easy to navigate and it takes a long time to unravel. So I'm in the middle of that. And right Mm -hmm. now that is like the bravest work that I'm doing. It's looking at my own lineage. It's looking at the things that hurt the shadow of, of just how I'm, living my life, you know, and mm-hmm. seeing it through a completely different lens and not, and having so many more questions and answers, which is such an uncomfortable place to be. Mm. That to me is brave work. And I think the other thing about that is starting to speak up before you have answers Yes, and being in that uncomfortable space. Um, and that's where I am right now. Like I'm leading a year long leadership program called wild and holy year, which is all for like therapists, coaches, helpers, and healers who want to show up braver in their own work. And I'm having some of these conversations in there, not knowing, like not feeling, um, equipped, you know, Mm -hmm. but needing to bring it into the room anyway, because I think so often we stop ourselves from bringing something into the room because we don't feel like we're smart enough or educated enough or, or further, like a far enough along in our journey to do so. Mm. And we do like such a big disservice to ourselves by listening to like that imposter syndrome, which is so prevalent for so many of us. But all you really have to do is just show up where you are, like where you are is enough. And I think that's the thing that shows up so much in my work and like my community is that you just like where you are and who you are right now is enough to start talking about things and just bring stuff into the room, take up space. I just want to applaud you and, and just say that I think that is so vital what you are doing in your community, because you're right. That doesn't happen nearly enough. And I think, I think that I personally have been on my own journey the past few months of being like, I 
have so much privilege and I want to explore that, but it's scary to explore that because you also want to talk to the people who are not in the same position, but you want to come off as respectful and you want to make sure that you are showing up in a way that is right for them, but you are probably not going to because what you know is not probably right. And what you've been taught is something you have to unlearn. And so that's something that I also have been thinking about a lot lately. And I know that that's something I want to start talking about more on the podcast for sure, because I just think like, yeah, like I'm a white, like middle-class woman. I have a shit ton of privilege and that's just not talked about, right? Like there's a lot of, a lot of things that are in motion that are happening right now that make me so happy that there are right, you know, like social rights are, are moving forward, but there's still so much work and so much that needs to be unpacked. And I think, as a white privileged woman, I have, I know I've had thoughts of like, well, who am I to bring up this conversation when I don't really have any, any understanding of what a black woman is navigating in the same space and the entrepreneurial space or as a trans man is navigating, you know, it's like all these things, it's like, who am I to be able to talk about these things? So I, my I guess like, as you've been doing this work, like, how did you, how did you break free of that? And how are you having conversations um, that move in an, in a way that is impactful instead of just like constantly going in a circle because does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think at some point, and this goes for any, any personal unraveling that you're going through, um, there, you get to a point where not doing something feels so out of integrity for you that you're willing to just do things imperfectly and make mistakes and learn as you go, because at least you're doing something to be in deeper integrity. And that's where I am. And I think that when you don't have the answers and you're in this place of like, I'm, I'm learning, you bring in other people who are smarter than you. Mm. Don't try and be the smartest person in the room. So bring in people who have more experience, more education than you So you don't have to navigate it alone. Mm. And I think that all we're being asked to do, I mean, from my perspective, is really elevate uh, marginalized voices. Um, Let them have, like, use your platform to bring their voices more into the forefront because they are going to have more of an understanding of their experience than I could ever have or you could ever have. And I think the most respectful thing is to not speak for others, but give them a chance to speak for themselves. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of where I am of navigating that right now. And, you know, how am I going to use my platforms to do that? And Mm -hmm. who are the people that I'm looking towards who have more experience than I do that I can bring into the room, you know? Yeah, for sure. And in terms of like your, your in more intimate social circles, like outside of the, the, you know, podcast interwebs yeah yeah exactly like how have you been having conversations in that way like do you how do you how do you broach that and because I think this is something that we all can do like right now like we all can sit and think okay can I have this conversation with my partner or can I have this conversation with my parents or can I have this conversation at my girlfriend's when we all have brunch on Sunday you know it's like how can we how can we start that dialogue um and, and, and have the conversation, even if we make mistakes, which we will, even if it's messy, which it will be, um, you know, like, how do you even broach that? I think for me, it's about investing in my own learning. So I, oh man, (laughs) 
I read so much content. I follow women of color. Mm. Um, I listen to podcasts on like internalized racism and systemic oppression. Um, I'm taking a year long course right now on intersectional feminism by Laren Alta. Like I'm just, and I've, I've been taking courses from Andrea Renee. Like I'm just Mm. learning from people. Right. And so as I'm learning things, I bring them up to my family and to my friends of like, Hey, you know, I heard this on this podcast. Like, I think you should really listen to it. I'm just sharing stuff. I'm just sharing stuff. I've been having the richest conversations with my parents because embedded in, in racism is also religion and understanding how these two things have worked together. Cause you know, the church that I grew up in was very white, even though it was like open to all people, but that's not really what was there. What it, what was going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so starting to question things and bringing them to my parents who grew up in a very different generation than I did. Like they grew up remembering like segregation in school. So they have a very different perspective and having just really open conversations with them has been, you know, really a great opportunity to wrap my head around. Like, this is, this is how this was embedded in me. This is how it's, I mean, it's just, it's so deep girl. It's just so deep, but there are some of the most richest conversations because you're starting to look at the world differently so you can do better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so important. I think that's all we can do is constantly try to do better and learn. So for everyone who's listening, what are some of your podcasts or a couple of podcasts that you've listened to or resources that you're like, this is something that I love and has like really helped me gain a better understanding around this so that you can all go out and do the same. Yeah. So seeing white on scene on radio, um, is a great podcast series. It gives, a it gives the history lesson that most of us didn't get in school. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. And it really starts to open your eyes as to how our country really is versus how you were taught it was. Mm. Um, that's an excellent podcast. Another one is Reclaim by Thais Sky. Thais is amazing. Love Thais Sky. Yeah. She's, she's a gem. She's been on my podcast twice now. Um, she's doing amazing work with that. And they have amazing resources that they point to um, from other women of color who are doing this work. Some of the people that I follow on Instagram, Rachel Cargill, she does a a do the work challenge. Mm. Um, It's a 30 day challenge that I cannot wait to take. Um, Layla Saad just did a me and white supremacy challenge, um, which she's going to be having a workbook come out soon. So if you start following people on social media, they will point you to other people who are doing this work. I mean, it's just, it's a huge network of people where you can really start just staying engaged. That's the most important part. Just stay engaged. Um, When you're in the beginning stages of your journey, you're probably going to be super triggered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's very (laughs) vulnerable work to continue to move towards the things that hurt, but that's what the world needs. Mm -hmm. And no one can make you do that work except for yourself. Yeah. I love that. You guys, I will put all these in the show notes for you so you can get those resources in your fingertips and start doing the learning yourselves. Okay. One more thing before we do our our fun little ending. I know so much of the work that you had done and probably still do, um, is based in, in enoughness. And for me, that feels so rooted in our sense of self self self-worth. Um, and I know, so many of women that I work with, and obviously I'm a health and wellness, you know, uh, coach. Like I, I, I feel like I'm just on the tip of the gamut, but what I love helping women is claiming their worth. You know, like that's what I love to do it's more than anything. It's through fitness and through health and, and, and also through, through self-care and, and believing that it's actually okay to 
invest ourselves in ourselves, you know, not just in the world around us and our jobs and the people in our lives. So I, I just wonder with all the work that you've done, like, why do you think it is that we struggle so much with this concept of not feeling enough? Like, where do you think that comes from and how can we like in small tangible ways start to move towards believing that we are? I think mostly because our culture is dominated by perfectionism. It's dominated by these unrealistic ideals that we're supposed to be like this perfect mother, this perfect woman, this perfect partner, this perfect career person. When all of these things fight for our attention and our time, it's, it's literally impossible mm. to do this like so-called balance thing where you have everything all together all the time. And so I think for me, it's really been about learning that I can be falling apart and have it together all at the same time, mm, right? Yes. Um, we're, we're allowed to be whole um, while we're messy. And that's just part of the human experience. So I think for me, it's really been about learning. <laughs> so this is probably one of the biggest teachings from the enoughness work is that we have this, such a, this tendency to perfect that even we will perfect our self-development work that we haven't done enough personal growth unless we've gotten rid of the voice of not enough. Mm. Okay. So this is how sneaky it is. My friends, the goal of enoughness work is never to get to the point where we outrun the voice of not enough, because that will mean that you've outrun your humanity. Mm. Okay. You will always be human part of the human experience to have doubt, to have fear, to have worry, right? The goal of enoughness work is to know so wholeheartedly your truth that you are whole, you are worthy. That's your divine right, just mm -hmm. by breathing, right? Mm -hmm. That you can walk yourself back there to that place of deep worthiness over and over and over again. Like that's the point of enoughness, that you can choose that path of truth over and over again. And that eventually walking that path home becomes quicker and easier each time you get knocked out of it. Yeah. So when you get caught up in that voice of I'm not smart enough, good enough, successful enough, rich enough, wealthy enough, important enough, whatever it is enough, your goal is to say, I hear you. I hear that you are angry, afraid, worried, whatever it is. That's where that inner child work comes in. What are the words that you most need to hear right now? Because I'm here for you. And you offer that, that comment, those words of praise or reassurance or kindness or compassion. And that's the thing that helps you come back home so you can keep on going. But what I've found mostly is that you don't have to stop until you're like healed to keep going. You can do the healing work while you're moving forward at the same time. Mm. Oh my gosh. Again, chills up my spine. It. I just feel like I don't even know what to say to that. It was just such a beautiful breath of fresh air. Um, and one that I can relate to so, so well, <laughs> you know, I, I think we all can. Yeah. It's really tough. It's really tough to feel like, like all the things I, I talk about this a lot, but I don't believe in the word balance. I believe in the word juggling because I don't mm -hmm. think we can ever have this balance. And I think that when we're constantly feeling like we have to have every piece of our life together, 
Like it's just not possible, especially because there are so many facets of the way that we live that sometimes our energy needs to go in one direction and other things are just less energized. And as a perfectionist or recovering perfectionist, um, and I know most of you guys listening are as well, you know, it's really, really challenging to not see that as a failure and not see that as, you know, well, my business is failing just because I've been focusing my energy on my relationships for the past month. It's like, no, 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 that doesn't mean your business is failing. It just means that you're in a different season and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Seasons Um, are important. And seasons are how we learn and how we grow. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just, I hope that just gave you all as much as it did me a huge big exhale and the permission to allow yourself to be messy and to know that that's okay and that you more than anyone else have the power to give yourself that deep breath and show yourself kindness and continue with the rest of your day in a way that feels a little more aligned so Mm -hmm. okay before we hop off um I have some fun like quick fast questions for you um and then and then we'll say bye for today um you ready for them Go for it. Okay. What's your least favorite smell? Oh, man. Gasoline. Me too. It's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Favorite thing about the change in seasons? Oh, you know, when you feel that first crisp in the air of fall, Mm -hmm. that is my favorite. And it always hits me in the morning. It's like my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. The smell too, that's attached to that. Oh. Yeah, it's starting to happen here, but it's, we had like a kind of a morning, but it wasn't quite there. So I'm waiting. It'll probably be like December in Texas (laughs) by the time we have that. Yeah, that must be so bizarre to not fully experience. (sighs) I miss the the season so much. (laughs) I think I would struggle with that. I've never not had the seasons in my life. I think I would really struggle with that. Okay. Yeah. If you could know the absolute and total truth to one question, what question would you ask? Oh, that's hard because my initial question is what happens after we die? But I think I know what happens after we die. Um, that's a really hard question, Amanda. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, you know what? <laughs> this is going to be so silly. But like, what am I going to have for dinner every night? That would be great because... Then that decision is made every single time. No, I love that. That's so real. I mean, you have two little babies at home. Like that's, that's challenging to to know what's going to be for dinner. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. All right. And then last one, what does it mean to you to live a fuck yes life? Hmm. To choose myself every single day. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh, this has been so wildly invigorating. Like my Ooh, heart is just it. like, it, you, seriously though, like I feel like I've just had this like beam of light coming from me this whole conversation. So thank you for helping create that space. And um, for all of my listeners who want to connect with you, um, can you just give a little info about where they can find you? Obviously this will all be in the show notes. Yes, you can find me at megan-hale.com. And one thing that I forgot to mention on this um, interview is I just did a co-hosting segment on one of my girlfriend's podcasts called the Courage and Clarity Podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's really oriented to um, entrepreneurs. But if you enjoyed some of like our very real talk on 
like enoughness and how we move past fear and all of these things and be both ands, you would really love the wisdom series, which you can find at courageandclarity.com. Cool. Love it. Um, and then in terms of like, if they wanted to work with you more directly, like what are some ways that they could do that? So all of those options are on my website. I'm taking one-on-one clients right now, and I will be having some new group offerings coming out in 2019. I've kind of taken it easy since I added another baby this year yeah. to the mix, but I am planning on debuting those probably in November or December. Sounds good. Oh my gosh. You are such a gem. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and your wisdom and all the things. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you. And there you have it. Thank you, Megan, so much for coming on to today's episode and for sharing all of that. And for all the stuff that we talked about that I said would be in the show notes and all those resources, which please dig into, they are so, so, so life-giving. And I just know they are going to bring so much um, so much shift and, um, and, and cause for conversation into your life, which is why we are here, right? So check out the show notes. Um, you can either flip through um, on the bottom of whatever podcast app you're listening to to grab them super quick. Or you can head to www.amandacatherineloy, that's Catherine with a K, like kitchen, y'all I use a different word, are you proud, Um, dot com forward slash podcast forward slash 33 and everything is there for you and more. And for all of the beautiful, beautiful things in the meantime, um, if you want to hear more about what's going on in my day-to-day, um, get weird with me on Instagram. Come say hey over at Amanda Catherine Loy, um, or you can shout out the podcast at Live Your Fuck Yes Life um, and and write a review um, and, and tell your friends, you guys. It means the absolute, absolute world to me. And if there's anything you could ever do to make my heart more happy, it's seriously writing a review. It changes the game for this podcast and also just my heart um, because it makes me feel like um like you guys are are hearing and seeing what I, what there is and and I want an honest review I want uh, hopefully five stars but like I would love to hear truly what you guys are thinking um I want to know what is really resonating which episodes you guys are loving and let let me know in our um Facebook community um it's a live your fuck yes life pod squad again that's in the show notes as well um I'm so 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 thrilled to be on this journey with you as always and until next week I'll see you on the flip side bye bye